What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to uh, New Jersey School Board Association's Conversations on New Jersey Education, a program designed to bring uh, educational issues to our membership. Uh, today we'll be talking about a very interesting and exciting topic, uh, a program for, that you can use in your high schools. Uh, but before we get started with that, if you want to participate, you can call 1-347-989-8904, 1-347-989-8904, and just press 1, and now we'll let Mike, who's monitoring our um, switchboards, know that you have a question, or we have a chat room. Uh, that's available, and you can just log into there and uh, type in a question, and I'll pass it on. Uh, we, we're going to talk about a program today uh, uh, about a, a student film festival that we'll be sponsoring. And with me um, today is uh, uh, Dana Orlack. She's a social studies teacher uh, in the Waldwick High School. Welcome, Dana. Thank you. And just tell us a little bit about your background in this project. Sure. Um, I have been teaching social studies. I teach in high school. I've been teaching social studies, American history, and popular culture for 17, 18 years now. Um, I developed a uh, connection and relationship with the Rock and Roll Forever Foundation after I attended a workshop with them um, about five years ago. And so when the Sonic Highways uh, project came up, they said, would you like to make a film? And they invited me to do the project. And I said, absolutely. And uh, we made a film that we're super proud of, and it's been awesome. And uh, I I love to talk about it, and I love to see uh, other teachers and students do the same thing. Good, because we're going to make you talk about it later. Um, (laughs) And now we have, uh, from the aforementioned, Rock and Roll Forever Foundation, the Executive Director, Chris Tuffley. Chris, uh, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me here, Ray. Appreciate it, and it's always good to talk with uh, with Dana as well. Uh, just tell us a little bit about uh, the foundation, and uh, and then we'll get into what we're, the project. And I should uh, let people know that New Jersey School Board Association is also joining in on this project. So. Go ahead, yeah, I'd love to. So um, New Jersey's own Stephen Van Zant uh, created the Rock and Roll Forever Foundation in response to funding for the arts getting cut in schools. And, you know, there, there didn't seem to be a path for any major initiatives to restore that funding on the horizon. So he kind of he kind of did a little sneaky arts integration attack and created the foundation. When, and what we do is we create lesson plans for you know high, primarily high schools and middle schools. We're expanding into elementary schools, but we use music as the lens by which we introduce other topics and subjects. And this works in all sorts of humanities classes, social sciences, English, language. We also um, have a partnership with with folks with the school board association to help develop materials for STEAM classes and be part of the arts in STEAM. 
what's what's uh, what's interesting about this is that is that we've we've enlisted educators and subject matter experts to help create these lesson plans, and we provide them free to teachers um, across the country. And we have lots of people like Dana and others who, who use these materials in the state of New Jersey, but of course we're always looking for more. <laughs> uh, and now we're uh, going to focus a lot of our conversation on uh, a, the project that we're collaborating on, because uh, you do a lot more uh, at the foundation, but let's talk a little bit about the Sonic Highway's Hometown Documentaries Project. Um, What's the goal of this specific program? And then I'll get because I know Dana's worked on this one too. What's the goal of this and uh, program? So when uh, when Sonic Highways um, show originally aired on HBO a couple of years ago, it was a it was a kind of a lightning a lightning strike for us. It's like oh my gosh, we've been doing all these lesson plans chronologically based, subject based. We've neglected geography. And the whole principle of the initial Sonic Highway show that Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters put together was to look at music and its impact on time and place, and the impact of time and place on music. And as we thought about it, there's probably not a city in America that doesn't have some sort of musical history or link to something musical. And so we created lesson plans, of course, to reflect geography in in major cities and and hubs. But then we created this pilot project around uh, having students create their own films to explore music in their communities. And there were a couple of goals associated with it. One is we wanted to extend our programs into uh, something multimedia. Two is we wanted to create an environment where cross-generational conversations were, were happening, where students were talking to their parents about the music that they listened to when they were growing up or what clubs they went to or, or what they did when they went, at, went out to hear music. We were talking with you know, village elders or experienced hands in, 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 in the community and in, in the music that they were creating or playing or sponsoring or events that were happening. And we, we got some interesting results in that almost all the films, you know, and you think about where, where high school kids are at, by the time they, they hit that high school age, like, oh, I can't wait to get out of this town. Um, and the, the theme of, of just about every, every pilot film that we saw was, you know, I thought I lived in this sleepy old town, but when you look below the surface, there's actually some interesting stuff that happened. Mm. And the quality of the filmmaking and the production is, is just uh, you know, was 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 inspiring to us. And when we had the opportunity to work with the New Jersey School Board Association to create a statewide film festival, we jumped at it because we, we've seen what this means to the kids um, and how it engages them, it inspires them, and what they come up with is amazing. And this this works with you know the the kids that may not necessarily be on that four-year college track or that all-star student track, you know, it, it hits creatives, people who may want to be, you know, film editors are involved in that. There's there's all sorts of opportunities to reach students who um, are looking and searching for a reason to get engaged with school. Uh, okay, uh, Dana, I did see some – your students filming it, and uh, I will echo what Chris said. The quality of the production is amazing. But from a teacher's perspective – I would think that this is uh, not hard to motivate the students anyway. Um, what do you see out of it? Uh, no. I mean, I, I I don't think it's hard to motivate students, particularly those students who are, 
you know, inclined toward being creative, who are interested in film production, who are interested in music. There's a lot of different um, interests that can get tapped into. But uh, what I found was, you know, very much what what Chris was just saying, that um, my students didn't know really anything about our town and our local history, period, whether it was about music or anything else. And um, one of the tremendous benefits of this program and doing this project is to allow students to explore their local history, to really get a deeper understanding of one's local history and, you know, kind of be able to answer that question, where, where, did, where did you come from? Where did we come from? Um, you know, who were the people and generations before that kind of created this place where we live? So from a historical perspective, it was a fantastic project. Now, when you add in the music aspect of it, it not only becomes more engaging, um, but it, it becomes a far more fascinating because, you know, as, as Chris said, it, with Sonic Highways, the focus is what's the impact of time and place on music, and that's all tied in with social history and everything else like that. Mm-hmm. So when, my, when we started really delving into the, our local history, and, and, and he's talking about our little town. I mean, that's why we started out the film with one mile by two miles. That's how big our town is. And because that's how kids feel when they live here. And I grew up here, so I know that. That's how kids feel when they live here. Nothing ever happens here, ever. But we found out that's not true. And I think and if we can find that out, if we can find out that stuff that was really interesting happened here and that people were doing really cool, interesting things with music here in this little suburban town, then, you know, it's not hard for kids who live in big cities or even other towns. If we can do it, they can do it. Um, so it helps them really understand also the importance and influence of music in all communities. And, and like I said to them, I think through this project they really learn you don't have to live in New York City or Los Angeles or come up as like a jazz musician in, in New Orleans or Chicago to find interesting creative things that were happening in your community. Uh, I was intrigued because Chris mentioned it. Um, uh, and I would agree with you because I, I've been to Waldwick and it's, you're not talking a major me- metropolitan area. You're talking, <laughs> you're, 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 you're talking your regular New Jersey, small town. Um, yep. a good town though, a very good town. Um, yeah. with a great school system too, I might add. Um, thank you. How I, I agree. <laughs> How were the conversations between the generations? Because I'm fascinated by that. This seems like a great topic to bring the generations together around. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think kids would find what adults did as youngsters or even as young adults interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, the, those cross-generational conversations that Chris referenced before, I think were um, some of the highlights of of producing the film because – you know, um, when we when our kids found out about um, the really interesting things that some of the people did that we interviewed, they were just you know they kind of lit up because you know they they sort of think of older people and even if it's you know their parents but like their grandparents and older than that it's sort of you know it's your grandpa and you go to you know you see him on holidays and he kind of says the same thing over and over again and he tells the same stories and like so i think sometimes 
their connection with people who are older than them is kind of limited to that sort of two-dimensional view of who they are. And they never think about who these people were and the fact that they lived a life at some point before they became your grandpa, you know, or your great-grandpa. And so when they have when they sit down to interview these residents who are much older than them and these residents are telling them about how they put together a rock festival, a rock and roll music festival in the park in our town and how the residents around there were complaining about the noise and these kids with long hair playing music and hanging out in the park and all of this stuff or, you know, they, they were sort of like, whoa, like, that's really interesting. That's cool. So all of a sudden, Grandpa is not just like this two-dimensional character anymore. <laughs> like, Grandpa is interesting. You know, he's an that's interesting right. guy who did cool stuff. <laughs> there were, You've so got some I, new were, stories to tell. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. That, that was a huge influence, a huge impact, I think, on the kids. I think you tend to see adults uh, when you're a kid as always being adults. You can't imagine them ever being young. It, it's yeah. a hard imagination. Um, mm-hmm. So we're talking about this great project that Dana implemented in her district, and uh, I'll get to the, back to some more details on that. Uh, so New Jersey School Board Association now, uh, along with uh, Chris's Rock and Roll Foundation, well, Steve Van Zandt, I'm, I'm, uh, you're not taking it over yet. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, we, we wanted to make this a little more broad-based and publicize it more within the state of New Jersey. So what's this next step for uh, the film festival that you uh, were planning? So the next step is to do, you know, we've done our pilot films with, uh, with friends like, like Dana and others and, and kind of worked out the kinks in the process. So the next step is, you know, the, the New Jersey Sonic Highway Hometown Documentary Film Festival. And we will be soliciting um, submissions from throughout the state with the intention of screening the films at the New Jersey School Board Association Conference in Atlantic City in October of this year. All right. And so uh, what is the deadline? And now we're not asking for a final film at this time frame, but what's the final deadline to try to get uh, your treatment in? Right. So the initial step is to create a film treatment, and those are due on April 9th. We'll review them quickly with the intention of green lighting for production. You know, we, we only have a certain amount of time in, in, in viewing space at the conference, and we want everybody who goes to create a film to be able to present. Because part of this, this process, in addition to creating a project, getting engaged and inspired, having these cross-generation conversations, is working on some of those soft skills, interviewing people, coming up with a list of questions, preparing those. Yeah. At, the, at the conference, we also we will want people to introduce their film, We'll show a clip of it, and then we'll have a little panel discussion. So there's some presentation, Q&A, thinking on your feet elements as well. So we really want this to be um, a dynamic uh, and impactful uh, exercise for these kids and and project for for these kids. So, again, the treatments are due on, on April 9th. Uh, we'll get back to people by April 16th to greenlight the films that we um, uh, that we want to see made and that we will show at the conference in October 23rd and 24th. And then it's off to the races for students to work on these during the school year and uh, and probably a little bit over the summer months as well. 
Final film submissions are due to us by October 1st so that we can make certain everything's on the up and up and, and clear and, and appropriate. And then uh, three weeks later, we'll be showing them at your conference. Uh, two follow-ups on that. Uh, the first is, you use the, and I use the word treatment, what is the treatment? Uh, say I'm a social studies teacher, and I, I don't know very little about film, but I think this is a great way to get my kids inspired. Right. So treatment is, is basically a summary of the film and an outline of the topics you want to, to cover. It, it's not a script because you know, this is a documentary project. And, and as we've talked with people who make documentaries, it's, it's the complete opposite of making a, a, you know, a Hollywood film where there's a script. You actually don't start with a script. You start with a question. You know, what happened here? Uh, or some other variation of that. And you, the process of interviewing and talking with people, you discover that. So it's really doing a little bit of initial discovery to provide a skeleton as to what's going to happen with this film um, so that we understand that, that you're, you're on the right track with it and hitting the marks on it. And there's a template uh, for that that we've got on the, the website that supports this project. Oh yeah, we should mention that as they get go along, you do have a website that will can be used as a resource, uh, yep. and I'll have you explain all that later. Dana, if if you're a teacher, what would you see as your first steps in selecting students and introducing this, uh, and which students, which classes are this most successful, and if there is one? Um, I don't think there's any hard and fast rule. <clears throat> excuse me, about what classes might be the best. I think like with anything else um, in teaching, you have to know your students. Um, and and m most teachers, and I would argue the best teachers, really get to know their students well. So for me, as soon as the project came up, I was very lucky that I had a few students who were perfect to do the project. I just thought of them immediately. So I think the first thing is to know, you know, to kind of take a mental survey of who are the kids in my classes that I have. And it may not always be the most obvious kid. I mean, if you think about the kid who um, likes to do historical research, that kid would be invaluable on the team because that kid could do the research. You think about the kid who does, you know, who's in video production, who's really interested in filmmaking. You know, you want to tap, you know, that kid and their interests as well. So it's a matter of putting together a team, and I had a very small team, which is fine, but putting together, like, um, a smaller team of kids who maybe have different interests and different talents because, like with any other project of this scale, and it is involved and it is time-consuming, um, with a project of this scale, you definitely want to utilize different voices and different abilities because everybody has something different to bring to the table. So that's the first thing you want to do is think about those kids who have different abilities and what are the needs. Um, you definitely want kids, if a kid is going to do the interviews, you want a kid who has those good interpersonal skills. Um, I did a lot of the interviewing myself, but you could, you know, potentially have a student who's great at that. You know, there you might have a kid in video production or a kid who's in the theater program or a kid who is just really good as far as talking to people. Um, you know, a kid who's good with graphic design for visuals in the film or, you know, choosing music that you want to use in the film. So <clears throat> knowing your kids well is the first step. 
The next thing I would say is a very, very strong recommendation on, on my uh, end is don't overlook any sources of information. I mean, um, utilizing social media is fantastic. I mean, I utilized Facebook and Twitter, and um, the truth is I was on Facebook, and I was just kind of clicking around, and there is a Facebook group that is made up of people who grew up in my town. And that's all it is. It's like, you know, you know you're from Waldwick when kind of Facebook group, right? right? <laughs> so I I went I just went on there and I'm part of it just to be part of it. And I went on there and I was just kind of scrolling through when we were first thinking about the project and I just happened to come upon a video that was posted on that Facebook page by one of the um, gentlemen who wound up being in a really important part of the film, but he had posted a video on that Facebook page that was showing um, what was called the Rock and Burger Festival, which is this rock and roll festival, the music festival that I referenced earlier that took place in the park that a bunch of kids at the time put together in the early 70s. And I was like, what is this? And I, I had no idea it happened. And I watched the video, and I was like, this is the film. This is the thing that people would love to see in this film. And that's actually where we started. We started with that footage of Rock and Burger, and then I reached out to you know the guy who posted it and reached out to other people who were involved, and it mushroomed from there. So, But I also was asking questions of people when I went to get ice cream. The woman who owns the ice cream parlor grew up in town also. I'm like, did you know of where people went to see live music? And she was like, oh, yeah, and you should talk to so-and-so because he was in a band and they played it. And I was like, okay. So you really – the other piece of advice that I have is just open yourself up to all sources of information. Don't overlook mm-hmm. any any sources of information. And um, as a teacher, as far as my role, I think the teacher needs to be the guide and the facilitator and trust is a very important part of this relationship between the teacher and their student team. And um, and they need to trust that you are giving them ownership of this project. So it was not my project. It was our project. And I would help them, guide them, facilitate the, you know, facilitate the direction they were going in and say, you know, perhaps maybe we need to think about this, maybe we need to think about that. Because often as the adult professional in the relationship, you're the one who sort of has the, the long-term vision that they don't necessarily have all the time, the kids, and that's part of what we teach them is the, you know, the practical aspects of it. And, you know, well, this might not necessarily work, but this would work better. So you kind of help them. But the students must have ownership. You must let their interests and instincts drive the film because and that's where they have ownership of the film. And how many kids worked on your project? I had three kids on my team. Okay. So like I right. said, and it was a small team. And did they work? Uh, obviously they worked outside of school because I saw the film, so they had to film yeah. outside of school and outside of yeah. school hours. So they had to take some ownership just yes. in that could, just in the time commitment in and of itself. Yes, absolutely. So, um, and and it's, worth, it's worth it. But you, you know, that's what I mean. You have to know your kids, too. You have to have the right kids who are going to be willing to do that. What were their, their uh, friends' reactions to the film after they showed it? I guess they showed it at school at some point we uh, yeah we ha- yeah yeah we had it on our youtube 
channel. It's on our YouTube channel. But we also had um, we set up a screening actually at the um, the town public library mm-hmm. um, in the summer. Actually, last summer, in and believe it or not, even though it was the summer, we had a packed room, and there the, the other kids were. I mean, a lot of kids had seen it already on on the you know like just clips or things that they had seen around. We tried to not put it on the YouTube channel until we did the screening because we kind of wanted people to come out to the screening. But um, the kids loved it. They were so impressed, and it, you know, parents loved it. The whole community, obviously, the mayor and the council and everybody else who you know you want to be, they loved it. They absolutely loved it, and um, you know, it, it's a to be able to highlight the talents of my students is is truly one of my greatest professional thrills and the rewards of my life because that's what we're doing this for that's what we're in this this profession for is to you know teach them and help them grow and and watch them and help them support them to develop their talents and their gifts and they have different gifts and this is a kind of project that can really help to foster and support the gifts of some of our students that may not necessarily have them fostered in other places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and it, Chris and Ray, I want to just add this: this in this this project in Waldwood kind of took on a life of its own. And the example <laughs> I give of that is that in our office, we have a Rock and Burger Festival T-shirt that they sent us after they did the project. So you know they're oh. out there making merchandise and and just you know it's not just the film. It it, it really became a, a a labor of love in many ways. Yeah, well, absolutely. The reason Dana did not know about the concert, she was much too young to know about stuff like that at that point. Uh, <laughs> I was actually not born time. yet. That's true. Oh, okay, <laughs> just rub it in. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, Chris, one of the things I, I saw out of this, and I don't know if it was one of the goals, but it seems that when you do a little uh, documentary of your own hometown, and if it's positive, that, that kind of builds a, a good relationship between the the school and the community. Uh, I mm-hmm. don't know if that was one of your goals, but it seems to be a, one of the effects that might have happen on this project. You know, it's one of those things where you you try and do the right thing, and 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 serendipity sometimes happens. We we hadn't even considered that in this. We just uh, we thought that this was a great idea to extend our programs, create some cross general conversations, and provide an outlet for some creativity. We're happy to see that. And we'll we'll talk about it now, but it wasn't something that that was I'll be honest was, that was part of our original thinking on it. And uh, one of the other uh, uh, now this year, if Dana's doing a class, mm-hmm. say a teacher has two groups of students who want to submit treatments. Is that okay from your perspective, Chris? You know, from the program administrator, say so you know we'll, we'll we'll review as many treatments as get submitted. Um, we'll probably try and limit it to one per school, and it's the the teacher is responsible for the submittal, not the school. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll review everything, but we probably won't green light more than one project per teacher or school because we really want this to be a statewide activity and, and, and event, and we want to make certain we include as many different areas and geographies as we can. But we've, we've seen multiple films from a place. There was a, 
uh, in Omaha last year, they did a summer project where they they did this in a week, and it was just that was the that was the goal: make a film in a week exercise. And they had one city and five stories that they did. So each one took a different genre of music for the city of Omaha and created it. So it is possible to 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 do different treatments for the same area. But for our initial film festival, we're really going to try and and, uh, uh, and look at as many different geographies as we can for our first wave here. Okay. And um, just to be uh, – in the age group for this first uh, Sonic Highways in New Jersey, is that's high school students, correct? Right. We wanted to to have this project be limited to students in grades nine, currently in grades nine through eleven, and that makes it a high school project. And that also means that all the students who work on it are around in October to present it at the um, at the New Jersey School Board Association conference. So that's one thing the teacher who does this uh, should know is that they're also going to have probably have to if they get accepted. Uh, that they have to have a field trip and send the kids to uh, to the conference in Atlantic City. Correct. Correct. Okay. Uh, Dana, uh, now I'm sure you like music. Uh, is there any teacher that could do this? I mean, this looks like it's cross. It could be any discipline. I mean, social studies it fits in well because, you, as you explained, mm-hmm. it's a lot of local history. But I don't, mm-hmm. is it restricted to that in your mind? Um. I don't think it's restricted. Uh, I think that it definitely lends itself well to the humanities, to teachers who teach the humanities, any of them. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I, you know, you could have a math or a science teacher that, you know, is, you know, has an interest in history, has a, a music background or an arts background in some way, shape, or form. So I don't think it's necessarily restricted to any particular teacher. I just think it it lends itself well to those people who are either in video production or in the humanities because those those of us who are in the humanities tend to um think in the way that I think you need to think in order to kind of produce a film like this. Uh you know, it's a lot of the again understanding the music, the music history, the historical research, the um, even just, I mean, the technical aspects of it, you know, sure, but the technical aspects of it are, are more geared toward, like I said, the video, you know, the video production, obviously, and things like that. So I do think it's geared more towards humanities, but I certainly could see, you know, math and science teachers that, you know, happen to be Renaissance people. I mean, I work with them myself. I work with a physics teacher who's a musician, and, you know, he's a Renaissance man. So, it, you know, it really depends on the individual. I don't think it's it's restricted. Right. And we've seen we've seen collaborations between humanities teachers and um, film and video production teachers as a way to combine both areas of expertise to bring the technical expertise yeah. in in filmmaking as well as and we the, did that. all the and humanities. And we did that in yeah. ours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we so did that, that in ours. So collaboration among the the staff as well as among the students. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. Yep. Chris, I know uh, we're running getting late on time, you had one other thing that uh, the foundation is working on that um, some of the teachers may want to be, uh, may be very interested in it. Yeah, let me give you a brief scoop on that. So um, Stephen, as our founder and visionary of the Rock and Roll Forever Foundation, is going out on tour. And to get word out about the foundation's lesson plans and curriculum, 
He is sponsoring a professional development session for teachers the afternoon before every show that he does. And every teacher who participates in that then gets a ticket to go see the show that evening for free. Free workshop, free ticket to the show. Uh, and we've got two shows coming up in New Jersey, uh, April 29th in New Brunswick, and then Saturday, May 5th in Morristown. And we'd love to see some of your listeners um, sign up and, and come out and see us. All you have to do to sign up is to go to teachrock.org slash tour and RSVP, which has pretty much given us an email in a, in a school and the show you want to see, and then we'll, we'll take care of the rest. And Teachers, listen to me. Run, don't walk. <laughs> to do this. Run. Do not walk. I I can vouch as someone who's done PD workshops with the foundation and I have seen Steven's band play. Run. Do not walk. (laughs) Do this. (laughs) Well, there's and uh, two locations uh, are in Morristown and in New Brunswick in New Jersey. Am I correct in that? Yes. Yes, and it's all it's all there. There's some some others in New York if people decide they want to go out of state, but uh, you don't have to be in that state as a teacher to uh, to attend any of them. We 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 welcome all teachers. We uh, we we think of ourselves as a teacher service organization. We just try and provide resources and materials and things of interest to them to make their lives better and easier and and um, and, and lessons for their 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 students that are intriguing and and different uh, but engaging. Okay, that brings us to the end of the program. I'll give you each a little closing. Any final uh, words of recommendation, Dana, for uh, the teachers out there? Um, yeah, just I think uh, I, I think two things that I found were really useful and really helpful for the kids and I think are really important when doing uh, the project in addition to anything else anything. I said. Um when you're you know when the interviews are done i the the reflection process between you as the teacher and your team of students is extremely important and that's what fosters that really good conversation that leads the project in a really interesting direction sit down together and have a conversation and and reflect and talk about you know, what went really well with that interview? Like, oh, yeah, that was a great moment. And we'd find ourselves saying, God, I was, I was tearing up or I laughed so hard or that was a great moment. You know, we need more of that. Or, you know, that was really touching or that was really sad or, wow, that was really awkward. <laughs> you know, whatever the case may be, reflect, always reflect as you're doing it because that's where you get the really good conversations. And you are also remember modeling professionalism. For your students at all times. So when you are the way you treat a subject, the way you treat an interview, just from the very beginning, how you greet a person, how you communicate with them, how you set up the interviews, those are all extremely valuable lessons for your students. And they are learning from you through this process. Every step they are watching you and you are modeling professionalism for them. And so that's a really important thing to keep in mind. And the other thing is have fun. Enjoy it. It's rock and roll. It's music. It's it's have fun. Just have fun with your kids. Enjoy it. Okay, thank you. And Chris, uh, if people have any any other thoughts you want to get across, and if people have more questions, where can they go? Terrific. Thank you, Ray, for that. So, 
first thing I want to make, uh, I want people to know that you don't have to have professional film equipment to do this project. That we'll have a category of films in the sort of rock and roll spirit that's total DIY. If you've got a phone, <laughs> you know, you, you're, if you're a kid with a phone, you probably know how to make a better movie than I'll ever make in my lifetime. So there's there's a there's a category of these for that are in that category. So don't feel like you can't do this because you don't have professional equipment. That's not the the case at all. Second is to, to get the information about this, about the film treatment, guides, uh, emails. You can, in, you, you can tap for any questions whatsoever, and don't hesitate to get in touch. We'd love to hear from people, and we'd love to be helpful. Just go to teachrock.org, T-E-A-C-H-R-O-C-K.org, and under Lesson Plan Collections, there's a link to Sonic Highway's hometown documentaries. I give you the link, but it's really long, and I think it's easier just go teachrock.org, Find Sonic Highway's hometown documentaries, and you'll click into everything you need to know. Um, final thought on this. This is all about using music as a connection point with students. And, and Stephen, Stephen, when we were talking the other day, you know, said something I thought was really, really meaningful and, and captured the spirit of what we're trying to do here. So I'm going to share what, what Stephen said. He said, music will forever be humanity's most effective and consistent source of inspiration and motivation. And we have learned music turns out to be our most solid common ground for establishing communication between teachers and students, which is where education begins. Well, Absolutely. Okay. Uh, I was going to say amen, but oh, I did. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I, I also, if you're a board member or administrator listening to this and uh, you didn't write down the 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 website, uh, New Jersey School Board Association has it on our website. We have it in school board notes. We have it on our front page. Uh, so you can email us, and we'll send you the link to the, the where the film treatment is and all the, the rules and, uh, and to uh, the Rock and Roll Forever Foundation website, too. So there's all the links there. Uh, just This is a very worthwhile project, uh, and mm-hmm. I think it will inspire students. Um, so uh, that brings us to the end of the program. First, I'd like to thank uh, both of you, Dana and Chris. Thank you for joining us. And uh, I'll probably see you maybe at the film festival. I hope yeah. so. Thank you, Ray. Okay, Thanks, Ray. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Okay. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.